Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm going to show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. If you're listening to this before June 24th at midnight Pacific time, you still have the chance to enter to win a giveaway prize from Next Step Test Prep, and that's one free course, the MCAT course from Next Step Test Prep, valued at almost $1,600. We're celebrating episode 100 of the MCAT podcast. Go to mcatpodcast.com slash giveaway or text MCAT100 to 44222. This is the pre-med year, session number 291. Hello and welcome to the three-time Academy Award-nominated podcast, The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome, welcome, welcome to The Pre-Med Years. I am excited to have you here today. Today we have an amazing guest, somebody who seems to have done it all as a physician, somebody who used to be on a reality TV show, now has a thriving Instagram account helping lots of students, and has now dove into, dived into, whatever that word is, into helping students learn and study. Now today we are talking with Dr. Buck Parker, and Dr. Parker is a general surgeon who likes to specialize in trauma, and he talks about his journey with us today, and we also talk about why he started his Secret Study Hacks website and program to help students learn how to study. Now, listen through the end. We're going to have a special deal for you. If you go to medicalschoolhq.net slash studyhacks, We'll have a special deal for you for his program, and I'll talk a little bit more about his program, what I think about it at the end. Let's go ahead and dive in and say hello to Buck. Buck, welcome to the pre-med years. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, man. When did you realize you wanted to be a doctor? Um, I think, you know, my dad, so my dad was a big into hunting when I was younger, and I started hunting when I was like 10 years old, but later, like I was 13, 14, 
then I started doing like big game hunting, and I'm from Wyoming, so in, in I think it's 13 or 14, you can start big game hunting. And then, you know, when you get an animal, you have to field dress the animal. And I started seeing all these organs, you know, inside the animal. I'm like, what does this do? How's that work? What was this cool? You know, and then I also realized that, like, while my brother was like about to barf when we were doing this, <laughs> it didn't bother me at all. So I was like, maybe this is something I should look into, you know. And then when I was uh, like 16, 17, I saw this documentary. I don't even know what it was about. But it was these surgeons, and I can't even remember what they were doing, but I was just like, that is probably the coolest thing in, like, the coolest thing in my universe at that time was to, to see a surgeon, like, do whatever they were doing. And I'm like, that's that's what I want to do. Slicing and dicing. Yeah. What, so so you you come from death, right? The The death of an animal. Yeah. Why not like vet or something like that? Because it was an animal. What what connected you to with humans? Well, yeah. I mean, I I do. I always did want to do something very kind of profound with my life, and I wanted to. I was always looking ahead a lot. In, in even when I was younger, like uh, you know, when I'm 80, like what am I gonna think about myself, and what what am I what am I gonna look back on? And so I wanted to do something with people. Um, and I wanted to help people. I was always kind of that kind of person too. I, I, I think it's, you know, we all get the, we all watch the Superman and like the superheroes when you're younger. It's yeah. probably some of that childhood, you know, want to save the day kind of thing yeah. too. And so that, all that stuff kind of came together for me. Nice. So you're in Wyoming, right? Not, not the most metropolis area where there's access to big universities and, yeah. and pre-med advisors. How did you find that path for you to go down to, to know, okay, this is what I need to do next? Yeah. Well, I, at first I didn't, I, um, I like in high school, I wanted to do that, but I was always kind of the class clown. And <laughs> so I really didn't have a great, like, Oh, I want to do that, but yeah, I can do it. I, I thought I was a stupid and like I, I'm a jokester and I didn't get great grades in high school. And so it wasn't really, it, like I wasn't really going after that, but I thought like that's that would be cool, you know. It was so, a little more aspirational. It wasn't yeah, really a goal. Right. And uh, I kind of went to college because my parents told me to go to college. I really didn't have a a, <laughs> a great reason to do it. I, I didn't think I was going to do very well, and um, so I did that. And they like I went there and I did terrible. You know, I, I didn't really, I said I was like biology major for pre-med, but I didn't really believe in myself, mm. which is, you know, big, a big hurdle. And um, I just basically wanted to get away from my parents. I was like, yes, first time away from my parents, this is going to be great. <laughs> and I just like was a, a fool and I, I just partied and hung out with my friends and that was it. Barely went to class. So, And you, you party, you go to class. At, at what point did... Did the the little buck voice inside of your head go? Hey, you, if this is yeah. what you want, you better start yeah. shaping up. Well, uh, so my second semester, I remember getting a one point seven uh, that semester. It was a little little low there. My parents were like, "Yeah, I, we're not really sure we want to pay for college <laughs> if you're gonna like, keep going this way," you know. So um, I'm like, okay, like I gotta, I gotta figure something out, and I think I failed chemistry, like one of the chemistry, the PCHEMs that year, and um, so the next year, I think it was the next year, I was gonna take physics, and I had already failed 
some chemistry. I was, I think I took organic chemistry the following semester and I did terrible. And then I was going to take physics the next semester. And I was like, okay, I really have to do something. Like it's not getting better. You know, even the, and I started studying like an organic chemistry. I started studying, but I wasn't really doing it right. And, uh, I was still doing bad on the test. And I was like, what the heck? Like, I'm maybe I am stupid, but, but then physics was coming. I'm like, I'm, and I'm like going along with all the pre-med students with their classes, but not really, you know, in with them. And they weren't really my friends and stuff, but I was just kind of taking those classes. And so I said, okay, I gotta, I gotta get a tutor. Like this is, I gotta do something. So let me get a tutor for physics. Maybe that will help. I don't know. Like I gotta do something. And so I got this tutor and this guy was like this weird Einstein dude. It was he was old, but he was like probably 27 or 28 or something at the time, you know, uh, and he was really cool. He was cool and really weird, but like a math whiz at the same time. And he was like, yeah, I was a, I was a mathematician by 13 and I'm <laughs> you know, like bored with, with all this stuff, but I, but I totally hate how professors suck. And so I decided to do, you know, like, uh, be a, be a, a tutor. And so I started going to this guy and he just started teaching me, you know, some basics of studying and what not to do and how to prepare and stuff like that. And, and then taught me physics. And then I went to class, I would go to his tutor, uh, tutoring session and go to the class. And the class was like, how is anyone learning from this professor? Like, if I was just doing this, there's no way I would be passing this course. But I was going to tutor said he was teaching me everything. And then I'd go to class and be like, what is this guy talking about? So then I take the first test. And I, and I uh, literally get the highest grade in the class. And my friends are like, okay, what did you do to teach? <laughs> this isn't right? the buck we know. <laughs> like, yeah, we're like, okay, like, first of all, you cheated. Second, you got the <laughs> highest grade in the class, which screwed all of our test uh, scores because it was a curve, yep. right? And they're like, dude, you got an 89. Like, the next person is a 72. You screwed it all up for the rest of us. And I was like, no, 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 I really, I swear to God, I didn't cheat. So, and they did like, did not believe me. And, and then I just stopped going to class and then I took the next test and I did the same thing on the next test and then the next, and I basically aced that class. And so after that, I was like, okay, I'm not stupid. I was doing stuff wrong. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm going to get my stuff together here. And after that, I was like, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the guy that like aced physics. Like I can do anything, you know? And it was like this complete change of character and belief system and all that stuff so oh, confidence right you, you get the confidence it's Crazy. it's funny we we go to school and we're we're told to study all of this stuff but we never learn how to study really we never study studying and so, so we just go through this process and for students like you where the studying doesn't click right away and you need somebody to teach you how to study i mean some yeah. students are great at studying right off the bat but but many aren't and we yeah. probably lose a lot of great future physicians because they don't think they're smart enough and they go off yeah. and do something else. Yeah, I, I mean, I've studied, I, well, I've studied studying, uh, but I've always also looked a lot, after medical school, I started reading other books besides medicine mm-hmm. and realized there's a you know, whole kind of, uh, obviously, productivity kind of um, uh, area that a lot of people have studied a lot. And uh, that's, then I was like, oh, I did a lot of those things when I started studying correctly, but I didn't realize what I was doing. And so now I was like, go back and like put, you know, Oh, okay, this is what I did here. And this is what I did. This is what I did right here. And um, and it's the more I, more I read about it, the more I think it's, it's very cultural and even like micro culture. So like your, 
your family is your microculture. And it's like, okay, is your, did, did your dad, like, did your dad in, in medicine, did he study like that? Did he teach you what the specific things you need to do every day to study for, you know, organic chemistry or physics or whatever it is? Mm-hmm. Or are your parents like self-made uh, business people who never studied, who just like went out and, you know, got some niche or are your parents just like accountants or so, you know what I'm saying? So they, they never really passed on that information to you. Yeah. You didn't get that cultural kind of um, information. And then when you go to college, you may or may not, or high school, you may or may not get that from your friends or you may, you know, just depends. It's almost a little bit random, like how you yeah. learn to study, you know? I don't know where this popped into my head, but I I, I used to have dogs. Uh, I don't anymore. My wife's allergic, but you you always learn like you you see dogs and the male dogs lift their leg to pee and and the female dogs don't. But the male dogs have to see it from somebody to learn to do that. Yeah. If if a male dog yeah, isn't around other males, they won't lift their leg. Yeah. Same yeah, that's thing. one of my one of my friends. He had a little puppy, and it was a male, and he started peeing like a girl. And so he gets <laughs> down on all fours, and he t- and he lifts his leg on the street, and he's like, "I'm teaching him, I'm teaching him how to pee right." And I was like, "This is not going to work." Nice, nice. I'm glad I'm glad you had a story to back mine up. Uh, <laughs> so you you obviously did poorly to start. Yeah. And then you fixed yourself and your study habits and you got the good grades. But at what point did you say, well, did I screw up enough that I can't get into med school? Like, how did you seek out that information to go, what do I need to do next? Yeah, my I had one um, family friend that was a physician and he was from India. And actually, and he so he went to I think he went to medical school there and then came and like matriculated back into residency here. And then he was uh, maybe like 50 at the time or so. So um, it was like a friend's dad. And I talked to him like one time. I mean, this is like, this is all my counseling for medicine. I went, I went to a, school, a high school or a college counselor and they just like totally brushed me off. Like, you know, uh, what do you want to do? I want to be a surgeon. And he's like, oh, that's great. Yeah, great. Oh, let me see your hands. Are they steady? Oh, great. <laughs> All right, and he, like didn't give me anything, right? Because he probably looked at my my grades and was like, "There's no way I got. What am I going to tell this kid?" So uh, that guy, the, the doctor, said, "Listen, you know, if you can't get in, just go to any school outside the United States as long as you can come back and you're eligible for the USMLEs. You're eligible to get a residency. Uh, just go to any school." And that was all I got. And so yeah. I basically did go to just any school, which, you know, now there's a lot more information. And I think I could have picked a, a better school outside the United States and put myself in a better position. But that was that was it. And so I just um, I just went with that. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of students get that same advice. They don't understand the the nuances and intricacies of being an international yeah. medical graduate and, and the challenges that you have to overcome to exactly. to be able to come back to the states and do residency and so people think oh look i can just go wherever yeah you've been down that path you went to school uh, outside of the states looking back do you regret that or do you think that it, it is what it is and you are who you are w- yeah. would you have changed maybe applying and waiting again or doing something differently well, I think that, you know, I, I think that I screwed up too much to uh, wait, uh, do a master's, 
post back, reapply, all that stuff. I think I, I think I went way too low, like 1.7. I don't think you can come back from that. Honestly, yeah. I don't know that for sure, but that was my sense. Okay. Um, I am glad that there are schools out there that give people like me a second chance, mm-hmm. but I also think you need to have your together before you go to one of these schools. Uh, because if you don't, then you will go there and have a problem there and then now be in more debt. Uh, so they're good. They're, it's a double-edged sword, those schools. Um, I wish I would have researched a little bit more and found a better school. Uh, mine was fine. I don't know if I would be able to get any other schools. They're a little bit, you know, in the Caribbean specifically, there's, there's a few schools that have been there for a really, really long time. They have a good reputation among the residency programs and they know when, when somebody graduates from the school and they get a high USMLE, that's for real. And those, those people are very, very strong, end up being very, very strong residents. So, um, that port from that portion, I wish I would have done that, but, um, you know, it was, it all also, you know, all the problems and hurdles make you stronger and, and uh, the, the person you are too. So yeah, what was the what was the biggest obstacle that you think you had to overcome as an IMG? Um, I think well, for me, I wanted to do surgery. I didn't want to do anything else, and so that was a difficult thing to say. Like, what's your back? You know, in in interviews, they would say, "What's your backup?" You know, what if you don't get surgery? Because you're like they're looking at my thing, going, "This is a no name school. This kid's totally screwed." <laughs> And they wanted to know, like, what's your backup? Yep. And, and uh, you know, I, I I was, like, probably too confident, like, stupid confident. I'm like, no, I'm going into the surgery, period. That's it. And they're like, well, what if you don't get in this year? I'm like, I'll apply next year and I'll go or I'll get. And what if you don't, you know, what if you don't get a prelim? I was like, I'll get a prelim. I'll get it next year. Like, what if you don't get a prelim? I'll, I'll get internal medicine. I'll get family practice. And then I'll go get, you know, like, I'll transfer into surgery. And they were like, <laughs> you're crazy. But, uh where did that, that confidence come from? Um, well, I, I think I, I didn't know at the time it, and it wasn't really, it's not so much confidence, but it was that I had only one goal. And I think w- what's interesting about that is I, and I read a lot about this now. It's like, uh, cause like after you get out of residency, it's a little bit weird. You have a lot, all these options. You're like, well, what, what do I do now? Like I, I had all these, you know, I had all these, my life has been just goal after goal set for me for 18 years. Like, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. So I was trying to figure all that stuff and that. And I, when I look back, I go, Oh, uh, I only had one goal at that time. And that was to go, to go into surgery. I didn't care to go into medicine. I didn't want to go into medicine. Um, and so that's where more it came from is, is only having one goal, not so much a confidence. And, and so that's, um, it's good and good and bad, you know? Yeah. I talk about that just from a, a psychological standpoint, we there's data out there that shows from a, a psychology standpoint, if you have that plan B, you're less likely to put everything into your plan A because you're like, oh, well, if if I don't do so well on, on the boards, if I don't do so well on the MCAT, then I could always just go and, and do this other thing. And yeah. so you didn't have a plan B, you stuck with plan A the whole time and you yeah. put your effort all into that, which yeah. is, so is exactly I, why we talk have, that way. Yeah, I have a post on my Instagram and it starts out, you probably have to bleep this out, but uh, it starts out plan B is, is the post and then goes on to basically describe that same thing. And, uh, what I, I didn't know that at the time, but, uh, I realized that after, after reading, you know, some, some data to show that like, 
this is it's um it's an interesting it's an interesting thing we we are we're kind of programmed there's a lot of people to say hey what are you going to do as a backup you know most yeah. of my family were they would talk about that a lot what is your backup plan uh my cousins aunts uncles blah blah, blah. they saw me doing a really bad job the first couple of years having a really tough time and they they everybody kind of viewed me as the class clown and they were like med school huh hmm yeah. what's your back plan you know like, <laughs> do and, do you think that's more that they don't believe in you and, and maybe not just you but just in general i, I think yeah. people get that sort of feedback whether it's advisors or family members they yeah. say what what's your backup plan do you think it's more that maybe they don't believe in the student or is it more of, I just want to make sure that your feelings aren't hurt. I think it's a little bit of both. I think they want you to be okay. Yeah. And so they're like, what's your backup plan? Let's, let's, let me help you. Let me help you by getting you a backup plan, <laughs> you know, and making sure you have something that way you're going to be okay. But yeah. what they don't realize is that uh, by doing that, you're actually sabotaging, you know, the, that person. And uh, they want you to be safe. Like people want, you know, parents, uh, friends, family, they want you to be safe. But, you know, the safest, the most unsafe thing you can do is go after something you don't want. Yeah. Right. Because <laughs> then you're like guaranteed to be miserable. Yeah. The, the study habits that you picked up finally in undergrad, how much did those have to change once you hit medical school? Um, they just, uh, they didn't change a lot once I was doing really well, but they just, uh, you know, they're just more frequent and you end up incrementally improving, I think. Um, well, I, I, you know, initially, I think, I think initially in med school, I was so scared that I was just studying so much, you know, I, I just was like, okay, I'm going to set the bar at, at, at X hours a day. And, um, and I'm not even sure if it was X hours a day. It was just like, I want to get these things done every day. And it just ended up being like, you're studying from when you get up to when you go to bed. And, and then you realize like, okay, that's what, what I have to do. So you end up developing kind of habits around getting those things done. You know, like how is it, how can you read for eight hours a day or study or, uh, you know, take notes and stuff. And it just ends up uh, over time, you develop those like very specific things though. I mean, you know, there, there's of course habits you can develop like, oh, I'm gonna leave my books out, you know, so that way I re remember everything and I'm gonna, you know, I'll get everything set up for the morning so I don't screw around and I, I get that extra 15 minutes or get started early and, you know, get kind of some momentum going and stuff. But then it's like, uh, okay, when you're really tired, like six hours in, how are you going to do another six? Like, what are the things that you, and so you start to develop those kind of motivational um, habits and building on momentum and using other people to help you. So, so those, I think, change, they did change a little bit. Um, but the big chunks, like, uh, studying every day, reading before the class, or you know, getting some information or, and repeating it somehow, and and uh, doing some association, you know, in your mind with other things that you know. Those things were kind of already there, so you just, I kind of, I think you kind of refine those, or I did for med school. What do you think is the biggest mistake students make when they're studying? 
that I think that uh, underestimating is a big problem. I think we underestimate everything, and, and and I didn't realize this. This is what I was doing. This this is like a huge problem. Was a huge problem for me. I was underestimating the time and effort it would take to get a certain grade in a certain class. And I would be like, oh, okay, I have four weeks to do this. No problem. I'm going to do it all in the last week. And then the last <laughs> week, you're like, no, I got like four. I'm going to do it in the last four days. And then I'm going to do it in the last three days. And then the last three days, you're like, start getting into you're like, whoa, this is a lot. This is, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this. Um, and, and that would happen over and over. And then I would do, no, I'm going to do four days. And then I'd cram for four days and go like, that wasn't even enough. You know, I just must be stupid. I just studied for four days for this test and I still got a C minus. How is this possible? Well, everybody else is studying for four weeks, you know, so I I think that's uh, probably the biggest one that I would say. And then I I hear students talking to me about too, like, oh, I, you know, my same scenario. I I studied all all day and all night and uh, I stayed up all night for this test. Like, yeah, you should have been staying up all month. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Is that a, is that a overestimating or uh, underestimating Underestimating. the, the underestimating the amount of time compiled with what I think is a a big mistake for a lot of students is that they, um, they can't delay gratification. And so there's the party to go to, there's the date that you need to go on, there's this and that and, and everything else that distracts the student from actually sitting down and studying. Yeah, totally. There's a, there's, I can't remember what it is, but there's this bias that we, we have. And it's, uh, do you know, the, the uh, object in the mirror is farther than it appears, mm-hmm. that, that little thing. So when something is further is it farther or further? I can't remember which one's time. But anyway, <laughs> if it's uh, further away, uh, then uh, uh, we we don't feel the importance of it. Yeah. And, and, and so that's, you know, we just have this natural bias as humans to say, oh, no, it's two months away. Like, it's not that it's not important. But, you know, you have to somehow bring that two month thing away to today. It's um, imperative hundred percent. I have to do X today for that thing in two months. If you can develop that like kind of paranoia, almost not so much. We talk about paranoia and surgery a lot, but yeah. uh, having a, a healthy paranoia in surgery, it's also really good to have a healthy paranoia in, in, in uh, studying because if you can develop that, then you're like super scared, not scared, but just focused that you, you're going to get this thing done today. And then tomorrow is the same thing. You have another task and another task. And pretty soon you build all those up and then you have this two months of, of studying that you are, and you walk into the test and you, you sleep the night before eight hours, no problem. And does, you're like, oh, does that come from planning and saying, okay, I have, I have these many pages to read. I have these many weeks. I need to break it down into pages per day and, and just plan it and put it on the calendar and stick yeah. to it. I, I think so. I mean, uh, I'm not. I'm not aware of any other way that you're going to be able to uh, do that. Like to bring, just in your mind. Oh, I got you know five chapters. Like you know, the best easiest way I think is just to break it into small chunks and say, this is what I got to get done today. That's that's it. And some days you're going to get more than that. Some days you're going to get less. But overall, if you can, you know, kind of keep that schedule, 
then uh, you, you're in a lot better shape. And, and some, you know, a lot of times I wasn't. I wasn't keeping that schedule. I was still behind, but I was so far ahead of everybody else, I was still doing well. Yeah. I like that there's a, a video on, on YouTube with the pancake theory with in medical school, you have to eat 10 pancakes every day. And if you don't eat 10, then whatever you don't eat carries over to the next day. And eventually, like you're tired of eating 10 pancakes, but you know, if you don't eat them all, then tomorrow there's going to be 15 pancakes or 20 pancakes if you skip a day. And yeah. it's a great analogy of how it just piles on top of it. That's, that's fantastic. Cause that's exactly what it is. It's so, it's so much information, yeah. uh, but it's even more if you, if you take a break. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So you have created this secret study hacks, uh, program for students. You've gone out and read the books and you've lived it yourself. Why do you think studying is so hard for people? I think it comes back to that thing I was talking about earlier is that we're just not taught our, our culture, our microcultures are not, um, they don't deliver that when we're younger. Yeah. Uh, and it's hard. It's, you know, we, we like to, to have pleasurable things and studying is not always that pleasurable. Some things <laughs> not always. Studying, it's never. Yes. Sometimes you got to take a class like histology, which doesn't you know have anything to do with what you're doing unless you're a pathologist. Um, I, I failed and, my first uh, histology test in med school because I said, yeah. this has nothing to do with orthopedics. <laughs> and all like all the, what, the reason I say that is because I always say that. And then students are nonstop, like uh, uh, direct messaging me saying, why am I studying histology? This is ridiculous. <laughs> am I ever going to use this? And I'm like, no, you never will. Nope. And they're like, God dang. But you know, it's, it's a painful process. And so not everybody wants to, to do that. And the whole thing of like, you know, the delayed gratification, because you have to do all this, you have to go through all this pain right now in order to, you know, get to your goal and, you know, be able to treat patients and do all this other stuff. So it's just, you know, it is tough. It's hard. I, not, not a lot of people um, really enjoy everything you read in medicine, you know, yeah. but you got to do it. Yeah. For somebody looking at Secret Study Hacks, the, the program that you made, what, what should they expect to get out of it? What I try to do with this is um, develop, have the students develop the right, first of all, the belief system that it's possible. Because a lot of students, uh, when I was talking with them, they they were speaking as if it was not a possible thing. So if you're in that situation, like you really want to do it, but, and for me, I was the same. I wanted to do it, but I had a tough time believing that I could do it. And so I think that's step one. Um, The second, the second step is kind of uh, building the correct habits and learning about habits and how our brain works. And we have neural pathways and we automate our brain automates programs like when you get in the car every day and you turn the car on do you have to like look at the key and be like oh this is the right key is that the right yeah that's the right key where does this key go again it goes oh yeah it's right there okay there's the thing like it's all automated every day and our brain is continuously automating these programs and so if you can build the automated programs to study the right way then that'll be that much easier and you won't have to spend a lot of energy every day going like Am I going to study today or am I not going to study yeah. today? 
what's the choice? There's no choice. Like once you build that habit, there's no choice that this is what you do every day. And it's not a lot of, it's less pain. It's less pain less, than, yeah. than, you know, that, that, than uh, if you were not building those. And then it's just like, okay, what, what are the, you know, what are the actions that I have to do? And how do I get myself to do that? Even when I don't want to do that. And how does our brain and our emotions play into those and the way we think? So the, essentially the first kind of section is really the mindset of how I'm going to fix my mindset and almost like, well, I, I mean, we say hack, but you, you hack your, your thoughts and emotions. And if you could just understand how those work better, then you'll be able to, uh, you know, complete your tasks uh, with less pain. The second portion is kind of motivation and it, you know, you got to stay motivated for a really long time and you have to stay motivated throughout the day. It's at hour six, if you got six more, then what's going to keep you in the seat and, you know, sitting down when all your friends want to go out, uh, what's going to keep you there to complete that second six hours. And then the last one is really kind of your environment and how your environment affects um, what you do and how you make decisions and how you study and if and how your brain, uh, how you can kind of hack your brain in a different sense and in a performance sense. And so uh, food has to do with that. Your what you do with your body has to do with that. And you're definitely the things around you, your environment has to do with that. So that's the that's the most kind of overview. What's the 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 essential book that every pre-med every medical student needs to read on habit on studying on on whatever that book that you've read yeah. that's helped you with mindset i think the the one that changed it for me was the power of habit it's from charles duhigg yeah great book that was an amazing book and i looked i started in this i read this after residency and i was like oh my god like <laughs> this is you know first of all like these are the things i was doing right and then if i knew this before I would be been able to set up so many more things to be to to help myself, you know, especially in residency. I think residency for me it was really really hard and it was a really really difficult time. And I think if I could have understood how my brain worked a little bit better, then maybe I would have been able to set up some, you know, uh, either some environmental or just some some habits for myself that I I didn't go off the deep end so so many times, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Well, as we wrap up here for the pre-med or the medical student listening to this, struggling maybe with their classes in med school, struggling preparing for the MCAT, wondering if they're smart enough to do this, what what last words of encouragement would you have for them? Yeah, I think that you know what I say is anybody with an average IQ can go into medicine. Um, it, and I, I was in the position where I didn't think I was smart enough, but I learned that it's not so much that it's just that it, it takes dedication. It takes the right kind of tools, uh, to pursue medicine and anybody can do it. You just need to, you, you have to be able to study correctly first. Um, and you got to stay motivated and you got to have a purpose, things like that. But, um, you know, the, the brain power really doesn't matter that much. All right, there you have it. Again, that was Dr. Buck Parker from Instagram at Dr. Buck Parker and secretstudyhacks.com.
Now, I try to review anything that I talk about here on the podcast, anything that I recommend. I try to do as much homework as possible to make sure that what I'm recommending to you is something that I would use myself. Now, Dr. Parker gave me access to his course, so I got it for free so I could look at it. When you sign up through my link, I do get an affiliate commission, meaning I get a little referral money, some beer money uh, if you do sign up. But let me tell you about the course. Now, there's a bunch of videos, and it's buck talking, and there's some slideshow stuff. And what you are watching is basically buck breaking down everything that he has learned about studying. And you're paying to expedite the process of reading all of the books that Buck has read and learning the takeaways that Buck has learned and and put into practice, right? He talked about being a poor student early on and, and figuring that out and then learning to refine that skill over time and all of this uh, information that he's been getting through books. So he's he's taking the knowledge that he's learned combined with the knowledge from the books and breaking down all of that information and he's giving it to you in a video format to help you basically expedite the process of learning how to study. Could you go out for uh, for a Kindle unlimited price, possibly $10 a month, and go get all of these eBooks for free on a Kindle uh, outside of the $10 per month and read all of these books and get the same information? Maybe. It may take you a lot longer. I don't know about you, but I'm a super slow reader. Uh, so it may take you longer. Maybe you want to listen to them on Audible. Um, so you can go out and get this information. The nice thing about Secret Study Hacks is it's all condensed into a course that Buck has put together for you. Not only that, you get the Facebook group. Now, I haven't seen the Facebook group. I don't know what the interaction is like in the Facebook group, uh, but he does um, offer and and talk about having, quote-unquote, experts and, and other physicians come in to talk about other aspects of medicine, and we've talked about having me come in and talk about some of the admission side of things his buck buck talked how he doesn't really like that side. He likes the study side. I like the admission side. Uh, so maybe there's some collaboration there in the future. Now it is $97 a year. And with that, you get access to the course, you get access to some other uh, add-ons and some bonuses and then uh, access to, I think it's weekly live calls with Buck as well as the Facebook group. So is it worth it? I don't know. That's up to you. Do you need help studying? Do you have the time to go out and read all of these books yourself? Maybe you want to do it for a year and call it good. You get all of that access for a year and and you call it good. Maybe you want to keep it for a couple of years as you're going through this process. That's up to you. But again, if you use my link, that is a, a, an affiliate link, meaning I do get a commission if you sign up for it. Hopefully this review and, and talking about it will help you. I did reach out to other students who have paid for it, who have looked at it, and they said what I said. Look, is, is it is it new information? No, it's not, but it's information that is gathered together and packaged up nicely so that you get it concisely and quickly versus going out and reading all the information yourself. And you're getting it from somebody who's been through the process, been through medical school, and knows what you are about to encounter and is framing everything around that. So that may help and then access to the Facebook group as well. So again, medicalschoolhq.net slash studyhacks if you want to sign up to join the secret study hacks from Dr. Buck Parker. Go check him out on Instagram. Check me out on Instagram. 
I'm at Medical School HQ. I am sitting at just shy of 5,800 followers. I want to try to get to 10,000 by the end of July. That's a month and a half. Can you help me get there? Let me know. I hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time when we have another international medical graduate on, another student who struggled with studying and went to the Caribbean. So interesting little Caribbean twist this uh, these next couple episodes or this episode and next episode, as well as one other student who I'm trying to get on uh, in the future. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on The Pre-Med Years. <laughs> <laughs>